Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to episode 109 of Writer on the Road. Everybody, this is a momentous week for us here at Writer on the Road. We've made a little discovery. Uh, now I'm 109 episodes in. I've been running Writer on the Road now for over two years. I have been writing all my life and it was being brought to my attention by my brand new business coach that nobody actually knows what we do. And we're about to change all that. Okay, we're getting serious about what we do here at Rider on the Road. And unbeknownst to me, what I'm actually selling is how your writing can set you free. Now, I've always been free. I've always been a gypsy, as you know, and I've lived on the yacht and I live in a caravan and I support my children. Uh, and for a lot of that, it's through my writing. And so when I call myself writer on the road, it was the writing journey that I had in mind. But because it was a caravan, everyone thought it was the physical journey. So we're going to play around here at Writer on the Road. We're going to be doing a little bit of tweaking of our brand. And what we're going to be selling now, or from here on in, is the freedom to write from wherever you are to live the life that you want and to free up your time for adventures and travel. So it's all really exciting. I apologise for not letting everybody know what we did in the first place, but because I knew what I did, I just assumed everybody did. So my business coach, I'm sure, is going to show me a few more things along the way. Some of those things are things that I've been avoiding for a long, long time, like forever. Things like landing pages, uh, marketing email, automation, all those kinds of things that I bring my guests on to teach you about. So I've been bringing on entrepreneurs, publishers, coaches, indie authors, all those people to teach you how to do it right, and I've been avoiding it myself. So get ready, get set, and watch. Uh, things are going to change, and it's going to uh, change straight away because we've got to have our photographs updated. And I thought, I like that one from last year where I looked a little bit younger than I am now, so we're going to get some new professional photos. Sam will be integral to that branding process, so she'll be getting her picture taken as well now that she's an adult in the ripe old age of 18. And she runs a lot of our Young Scholars stuff, and she's very, very good at what she does, so I'm proud to be having her on board, and I'm proud to be having her picture up there beside mine. So we're getting more professional, we're really, really excited. Uh, and as part of that, I brought on Paul Brody. Now, I've be, I brought him on for a reason. He is going to take me through the process of uh, book publishing for authors, and I'll be starting his program next week. He and I are going to have a bit of a chat this week, and I'll be recording some promo activity this week with him and then for the next little while I'll be working my way through his book publishing for author program so or authors program I'm really excited about that because that's the one part of my business that I'm not as confident about okay starting your writing process I'm fine with doing the writing is really really good but it's that other end the launching and the marketing and Paul has got this guaranteed system that can take your book to best seldom and as indie publishers, we all know how important it is to be heard above the noise. Um, on a little aside, I got a newsletter through from Goodreads this morning, and it was a romance writer's newsletter. And I was really excited, and I logged on to that to see if I could see all my Australian favourite Australian authors, which is you lot. And I didn't see any, and I thought, isn't that interesting? We have such a load of talent here. 
and to get our work, uh, get our authors um, noticed above the noise is really, really tough. And so I think I've got Natasha uh, Lester coming on next week and I'm really, really excited to have her because the Paris seamstress is going to be really, really big and I think I think everybody's really looking forward to that launch next week and I'll have her up on the podcast. Uh, now, she's traditionally published uh, and she gets she will get all the attention that she deserves and I'd love to see some of that attention coming to our indie authors as well. This week's podcast is how to be or how to succeed at self-publishing and I've brought Joanne Dannon back on board for that one because I met her a couple of years ago and she's uh, done all her work professionally she's ex-corporate and she knows exactly the work that's required to be a success as an indie author and the talk we have with her today uh, sets it out very very clearly that you need to know the business side of being an author and my, my efforts with Paul is that I, I bring myself up to speed with that that business side of it and bringing on a bringing on a business coach is to get me uh, stop having a lovely time uh, and to get serious and get professional. So hopefully all round uh, we'll see some real changes in the next 12 months and we'll see some real growth. But what I won't change is my relationship with you guys and promoting you guys and promoting us to the rest of the world because I think that's what we all we all need and, it, and I think it's what, what I do best. Now there's some other uh, podcasters coming on board which is really exciting. We already know that we've got Pamela Cook out there with her wonderful, wonderful podcast and then we've got uh, Sarah Williams has started started off as a video podcast and now it's a it's a full-blown podcast. So there are lots of lots of us out there trying to spread the word with the audio and audio is becoming more and more popular. I'm going to record my own books first uh, and get them up there on audio. I'll be recording some of my non-fiction as well, how to write, how to get published uh, as well in the next little while. So they're all things that are going to happen. As, as I think the indie world explodes and continues to grow and becomes more and more accepted and more mainstream, so hang on to your hats. We'll see where we go with that. Uh, Sherry McCarthy from Creative Mermaids has sponsored us again this week. Now, she's been our sponsor, I guess, for all of March, you could say. And I'm going to keep her on till the end of the month. Sherry has some wonderful planners over at Creative Mermaids. She is wonderful at inspiring the rest of us to be the best that she can be. And she's a creative coach. Even though she's sailing around the world, she has this wonderful magic about her that draws us all like a magnet and we want to be part of what she's doing. We want to live the life that she's living, even if it's just for a little while. So if you're looking for some creative or some creative inspiration, make sure you go over and check out Creative Mermaids. And Sherry's very, very honest, down-to-earth wisdom that says messy middles are okay and we're living our lives and what we do is okay as we're going through it. Because I think there's a tendency for some of us to think that everybody else is better than us and that we can't keep up because on, I guess, social media, we only see the success stories. We don't see the blood, sweat and tears behind that. With Sherry over at uh, Creative Mermaids, you see it all. You see the good, the bad and the sitting in front of the galley uh, in in her yacht uh, as she's crying over spilt milk. It's, it's really great stuff. And to a certain extent, that's what I try to do here as well. I want you to see that we can all succeed and we can all succeed, especially if we join hands and do it together. Okay, that's enough um, prattle for me. I would call it prattle, but it's it's important to, to set our new direction and and celebrate that we are in this journey for the long haul and that this new wave of professionalism 
has has I guess very very good intentions. Now I've got just now all I've got to see if I can pull it off. Okay, let's sit back and listen to Joanna tell us all how to succeed at self publishing. This morning I'm talking with the beautiful Joanne Dannon, again, contemporary romance writer, um, published 13 books in the last couple of years. And as we were talking this morning, uh, Joanne reminded me that this is the fourth time I've had her on the podcast. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning and lovely to uh, catch up with you again. Although I do see you on social media, so that's still nice. Yeah. Now, Joanne, publishing 13 books in two years... Uh, I'm guessing that your whole life is focused on indie publishing and getting those books out to the highest quality that you can. Yep, that's right. Um, I probably could do more books, uh, but I've been pretty busy in my personal life as well. Um, I also like that I can spend time with my children, help out at the school. We've just completed six months of home renovations. So because of that, I've probably pulled back on some of the books that I could have launched. Um, the other thing that I do like doing is also working with other authors. So when I started you know, really professionally, sort of end of 2015, 2016, I worked with a number of authors in getting sets out. And I guess you can call them an anthology where there's groups of authors that put a set together and we launch it out onto the market. And I think I did about three of those with other authors. And now I actually run them myself. So I invite other authors. So on top of getting my own books out, I also do these sets. And I think not just for writers but also for readers, it's really nice to be able to get a set with a mix of different writers, um, often writing for a theme, and I think that's really good. But that also takes into my writing time organising these sets. Yeah, now Joanne and I, we've talked about what we're going to talk about today, everybody, and I'll reference uh, our previous conversations in the show notes, and that's where we talked about the basics of indie publishing and getting the professional help that you need and the editors and the cover designers and all those kinds of things and making sure you surround yourself with a team. What we want to focus on today, everyone, because I think it's really important, is First and foremost, writing the best book that you can and then finding the best editor that you can. Joanne, we touched on this uh, before we started the podcast today. Mm. It's not as easy as it sounds, is it? No, no. And there's some really great editors out there, but that editor may not be the right editor for you. So, for example, with one of my writing friends, she has a fantastic editor who she loves and I just found that that editor was not the right editor for me. Uh, the other thing is, you know, sometimes with editors, things happen. So, for example, I had a, I found an editor who I absolutely loved. She was fantastic and I loved working with her. But then she became ill and after, I think, eight books, I could no longer work with her. I was devastated. I was actually I can't even tell you what it was like having to say goodbye to her and not be able to work with her. And then I had to find a new editor. So I thought I'd share, we were talking about this before, my process on finding a new editor because it's really important to find the right editor. Your editor makes your book shine. If you don't have the right editor, 
your book can't be the best it can be. So the way that I did is I asked for some recommendations uh, among some romance writing uh, colleagues and I narrowed them down. I had a look at their websites and had a look at them on social media and I found three editors that I felt would be a good fit for me contacted them, made sure they had availability. And then I gave them my first chapter of my latest book and I asked them and I asked them to edit it for me. I gave them direction. Um, and then when I got the results from each of the three, then I made the decision. And just keeping in mind, I actually paid for their time as well. So I paid for three edits of a chapter from each of them. And that's how I chose my latest editor. Um, there were actually two that I couldn't decide and I went with one and she's been fantastic and I'm really, really happy with her insights. I, I sit there and I think, you know, I'm really happy that um, I work with her. She really is a wonderful editor. Yeah, and as you know, everyone here at Writer on the Road, we're about writing excellence uh, and reading good writing to make sure that you're always learning. Churning out lots of words, which is what we talk about here sometimes on uh, on the podcast, is all very well and good, but if they're not good words and they're not the best words and you're not growing as a writer all the time, then there are chances that you're going to lose your readers even as you work so very hard to get them. Joanne, over the last couple of years, how has your writing improved? Um, I think you just get better at it. I'm not really sure how, but I think it – look, it's. I think, I've heard someone else say this and I, I think the same way. It's, it's like a muscle. The more that you use it, the better it becomes. So, And it, it's like fitness. If you go regularly walking and doing things, your fitness improves. It's the same way. Um, I've got a couple of my very close uh, friends who read my books and they've said they've always loved reading my books, but they said as I've been writing more books, they're getting better and better. Not to say that the first books aren't good. Um, I never published my first book. Uh, I spent years writing before I was first published. Um, but I think, you know, the more that you write and, you know, I'm really focused on my writing now. Um, I think also I've been able to extend myself, which I couldn't do before. So with my latest book, it was a difficult book to write. It was, it was hard. And I did that. Now, I couldn't have done that a few years ago. I think you just start learning and you feel get also you get that confidence as a writer. Um, the other thing I also wanted to mention, we were just talking about before about good editing. One of the things that I highly recommend for anyone who wants to do um, publish their own book is also have a proofread like get a proofreader and not use your editor, use someone else. Um, yes, it does add cost, but you'd be surprised with how many little full stops and little things um, can get missed. I know oh. that I've looked at things and I have missed them because you look at the same thing over and over again. You need another pair of eyes to go through and make sure that all your typos and everything have been um, uh, picked up. So that's my hot tip that I highly recommend. It really, you don't want your readers finding um, mistakes. Yeah. Look, I can tell you everybody, um, and I agree with you, Joanne, when I was uh, publishing The the Miner's Wife, that went through the whole PhD process with the, my professor supervising. Then I put it out through Australian ebook publishers. Um, we paid, I think it was something like $4,000 to have it edited. And even after that, and all that time and all the different eyes looking at it, there were still 800 uh, small errors 
that we had wow. to go through and we had to go through and put it through a proof edit to to pick all those up now I'm an English teacher. I pride myself uh, on being able to pick things up. Now, in what was it, a 200-page manuscript or what was it, a 100,000-word manuscript, you miss things and you don't see things and it went through the editing process. So I'm seeing a lot of indie stuff go out that is subpar and that's why we're having this conversation today, everyone, because Joanne and I were chatting that unless you write the best book that you can and you surround yourself with the best help, then all this self-publishing um, malarkey is a waste of time. Uh, Joanne, save me. <laughs> no, 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 I agree with you. I just think that, you know, um, you can write a very good book, but it does need a professional edit and it needs a proofread after. You also need to have a quality cover. You know, I mean, there are good covers that are available that are pre-made and there are excellent I'm like, unless you have a fine arts degree or something like that equivalent, don't go and do your own covers. Like it just, it looks bad. It's shoddy. And it really, I mean, you're spending so much money creating a book and that includes your time. Having this fantastic book, you're going to be let down by your cover. It's like, just don't do it. You know, for 20 to $50, you can get a good quality, beautiful cover. And I highly recommend that. Yeah. Now we're talking. We're just going to talk very quickly about price because I want to move mm. on to um, brand and and marketing. Uh, yeah. You talk about every book that you've put out. Now keep in mind, everyone, that Joanne's got thirteen books, published books now, which is just such an impressive effort in the last couple of years when I'm still talking about it. Uh, Four hundred to eight hundred dollars US per book to get Correct. it to the standard standard that you want. That's right. So, I mean, the editor is uh, probably the most expensive. And again, it depends. The reason I have such a large uh, range there, because it depends if I'm putting out my novella. So, for example, a Christmas novella is 20, 25,000 words, whereas uh, my full size novels are around 50. Now, a lot of people write bigger books than that. They write 75, some up to 120. So, your editing will increase. So my, the reason I've got such a wide range, it depends if you're doing a smaller book or a bigger book. But keep in mind, the bigger the book, the more expensive the editing is. And that's just how it is. And if you can't afford the editing, then then you shouldn't be publishing a book. And I did write this recently, and I don't think people are very happy with it. But to be, that's my honest um, belief, that if you can't afford the editing, then you can't afford to self-publish. Yeah, and there's a lot out there at the moment and, it's uh, look, it seems to be proliferating and it's mostly proliferating from America. Uh, every man and his dog is showing you how to publish your book and how easy it is and use this program. I think I saw something about instant publishing a book in 24 hours and I'm going, mm. oh, my God, what kind of template is that and how creative can you get? Uh, it's not that easy, is it? It's not, and I've said this many times on um you know, whenever people have asked me to write an article for them and I've also put this on my blog, it's very easy to go and get a book and stick it up on Amazon, okay? It takes Amazon, you've got to go through their tax process and set yourself up. But basically you can go stick a book up. Anyone can go and do it. But you want someone to read your book, that's the hard bit. Sure, you can ask your friends to go and buy, you know, a few copies or whatever. But really 
it's just going to sit there and then it's going to flounder and it's going to disappear into this black hole of Amazon where there's just millions and millions of books. Um, yeah, you've got to do more than that. So if you just want to say you're a published author and stick a book on Amazon, well, good, excellent. You know, enjoy your champagne and enjoy being a published author because you've achieved it. But if you want to make a business and be professional, then that's a different ball game. And I do talk about this quite a lot. Whether And there's nothing wrong with just saying you want to be a published author and just put out a book once in a while and, and have this, I guess, as a hobby or being a craft. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you have to decide what type of author you are, whether you want to be professional and be trying to make money out of it. Some people are happy not to make money. That's okay. But if you want to be a professional author and be making money from your books, it's very different. And that's why, you know, I really insist um, when people um, ask for advice on the editing, proofreading and um, a good cover. Yeah. And look, there's evidence uh, day after day, everybody, that as an indie publisher, you can make a living and you can make a good living. And I know some of my traditionally published friends will will strongly disagree with me here. But I speak to people every day who are indie publishing. And as you say, Joanne, these are the people who are putting time and effort into their business, into their websites, into uh, what are we talking about, into our social media and our mailing lists. All those things have to come into it once you get that book uh, written and once you get more than one book written. As you said, you're up to book 13. Talk to us very quickly about uh, that professional image and that developing your brand. Yeah, well, this was something I didn't really think about when I first started and it sort of came to me at a later stage and that's why I've been happy to share my knowledge and hope that people who decide to go down this path, sorry, go down the path, think about their brand, marketing and your image, which I never did and it probably would have been a good idea at the time, but, you know, that's how it is. Um, One of the things that I've redone with my image is that I looked at my books And I loved all the covers. There was nothing wrong with my covers. They were all good. I'd used a professional artist, but um, I'd used a couple. I'd bought some pre-mades. I was using different artists, you know, because one artist didn't have time, so I used someone else. And what ended up happening is that there was no consistency in the brand. So you looked at the covers. They were all gorgeous, but, you know, they had different fonts. My name was at the top for some of the covers. My name was at the bottom for some of them, you know, you know, it just, there was no consistency and it looked like a little bit of a mishmash when you put all the covers together. So I decided to redo all my covers, which was difficult because I did love all my covers. But for example, I, then I started putting them together in sets. So I had two books that were linked, but one was pink and one was blue, different fonts, different everything. You know, it just, they didn't look like they belonged together. So we redid them. We've got a name of them. So, you know, that I think is also really important, having them linked together by and you having them linked where they actually look the same with the fonts, with the names, with the couples, that they're sort of the couples look the same. You don't have a, for example, with one cover that the couple are sort of standing back next to a horse, for example, and the second one, the couple is a close-up of their faces. That doesn't work. The couples should be representative of the couple. In I'm talking about romance, obviously, but uh, of the book, but they need to have 
be the same. If they're both close up, have them both as close up with the faces or have them standing against a fence or a car or motorbike or whatever, but just make sure the poses are the same. It's really important, especially when they're in sets or where the books are linked together. Yeah. And, and so that's what I did with all my books. I was, we'd, sorry to interrupt you, um, just with our brand. And that's how I did it with my branding. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. And that's the thing that impressed me from the very first time that I spoke to you, Joanne, is your, your business brand. Now, uh, everybody, uh, Joanne is from a corporate background and from day one you've been very professional. And you would think because of your professional uh, attitude to the business that you would get everything right from the beginning. But one of the things that I admire uh, about you is, as you say, you make mistakes along the way but you pick yourself up and keep going. Yeah, well, that's it. And the thing is, is that there is a lot of how-to out there of how to indie publish. This stuff, is it's not really readily available. They tell you, you know, how to do this or that or upload. But this type of overall, how can I call it, umbrella-style brand marketing is not readily available. It's actually one of the reasons why I went to New Zealand to their Romance Writers Conference last year because they had a whole-day workshop on brand marketing, which was absolutely brilliant. It was run by Kristen Lamb and really absolutely fantastic and suitable whether you were just starting out or whether you're a seasoned writer whether you're traditionally published or indie. Like it just covered everything and I'm like, wow, you know what, I could have used this a few years ago but anyway, I got to learn it now. This is when I got it. So, And this is part of the reason why I also changed my covers. Um, a lot of the other things I was fine with, my branding was consistent with who I am. I write contemporary romance with steam, a little bit of steam um, and also sweet. So the colours of pink and red and and hearts still fit in with my branding. Yeah. Now, branding we could talk about. Uh, it's a subject all on its own. But it's interesting that yeah. it took you, what, two years in before you realised that, uh, that you had to make everything consistent. But then in your defence, you didn't think you'd have 13 books out in two years either. So I think you can Correct. be forgiven. <laughs> uh, now, we've thanks, had... Thanks. Yeah, yeah, and I think we have, um, I've spoken to Joanne, Mo oh, sorry, Joanne, Leanne Morgan from over in New Zealand. I'm, mm. I'm just going to uh, segue into the New Zealand uh, Romance Writers Conference because that's something that you attended last year and you're going back to this year. We know a bit about our Australian romance conferences with the RWA, but New Zealand has a special brand of charm. Um. Look, I think they're both good. I've attended 10 Australian Romance uh, RWA conferences and they're excellent. Um, I have learned so much. Um, I just really enjoyed going to New Zealand. Um, there's quite a lot of writers that I work with, so it was nice to see them in person. Um, I, as I said last year, I went specifically for the Kristen Lamb uh, conference, uh, for, sorry, for the one day workshop. And this year, uh, New Zealand have got Bella Andre coming. So of course I'm definitely going for that. Like as soon as I knew that she was going, I was already like on my phone starting to book 
my flights to Auckland. I'm like, I'm not missing that. So I think she'll be very inspirational and I really hope I can get to say hi to her personally. And no, I won't be stalking her, even though I'd like to, but no. But um, I think she'll be fantastic to listen to. They've got a good lineup and and Auckland's, you know, it's only three hours away from here. So I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah, and the Big Island itself is worth worth going over to. I think we've got some very good um, romance writers from way back. Is Helen Bianchin, is she, is she in New Zealand? I'm not sure. Maybe she's not? I don't know. We'll have no, to look she's that fa- up. I think she's Australian. We'll have to look at that. I think she's Australian. Oh, look, but there's some fantastic New Zealand writers, um, like really excellent, hardworking, you know, Great books, really good indie and, and and traditionally published. So it was actually a pleasure. It was nice. The other thing I liked with for me for New Zealand being a bit of a wallflower is that it's a bit smaller. So I felt a bit more comfortable. I feel um, a little bit overwhelmed walking into these rooms of three hundred plus women in uh, in Australia. New Zealand's a bit smaller. So for me, I'm a little bit more comfortable in that. I'm still getting over the comment about Joanne Dannon being a wallflower. Uh, you're 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 king, you're king of our gang. How how did you get to be the wallflower? Uh, I think I'm going to take another stab. I think it was Ronald Robin Donald who is a New yes. Zealand romance yes, writer. Yes, she's in New Zealand. Yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, yes, see, Robin, I used to yeah. read romance uh, romance novels all the time. Everybody, I grew up on Mills and Boons, and I'm, I used to love the New Zealand uh, romance novels because of the countryside. I used to love reading about the natural beauty of New Zealand. Yeah, their books are, I mean, there's some excellent writers and it's it's very nice. I mean, New Zealand's beautiful. One of the things I did, which was a bonus for me, I stayed for an extra couple of days in Rotorua and got to have a look around. It's just beautiful and I hope to do the same thing after Auckland, hang around and um, check it out. Sounds yeah. like it looks like a really nice city to get to visit. Yeah, one day New Zealand, the next day the US of A. We um, <laughs> indie writers have great aspirations, which brings me again into that beautiful thing called making a living from your writing. As indie publishers, uh, as I said, it is very possible and probable that you will make a good living from your writing, provided that you take the time to build your brand and and make your mailing or grow your mailing lists and do the things as a business person in any business needs to do. Uh, now, you've been at it for two and a half years, Joanne, and we're not talking dollars and cents here, but would you say that now that you're up to 13 books and you'll probably be pushing on to 20 in the next little while, that it takes mm. quite a few books before you start to see your income grow to that point where you could say, I can see the potential of being a full-time indie writer here? Yes, yes. And perhaps if I'd been um, not renovating or not spending time with the kids at school, probably could have got some more books out. But this was also my choice. And also I do like running these sets and running these anthology sets with other authors does mean that I have to write less books because I do spend quite a lot of time and I'm running two sets this year. Um, Yes, if you can't see your income increasing every month, then you're not doing something right. And there's so much that you have to do. It's not just writing books. It is marketing yourself. It is sending out regular newsletters. And I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of writers disagree with this. They don't see the value in it. But it takes time. It ta- it's, you can't just send one or two and go, well, I had no clicks and no engagement. Well, I'm going to stop this. I've been doing this now for, I think, 
I started building my newsletter list two years ago, seriously. And I think probably about a month or two after is when I started seriously sending out regular newsletters, like Mm -hmm. seriously. So now I send one out every week. Um, Occasionally I'll miss a week if something's happening, like, for example, with the we moved house. But otherwise, every week consistently I will send out a newsletter. I don't say to them, buy my book. I talk about lots of other things. Um, I also promote my writing friends. I'm a reader as well as a writer. So I talk about books that I've read that I enjoy. Um, I talk about the inspiration behind my books. There's lots of other things that we talk about because I'm talking to readers, not writers. And um, I guess for me, um, one of the areas we were talking about growing is where I felt that I had actually made it in inverted commas. It actually wasn't a money thing. It was with my latest book. Now, this book, as I was telling you, was actually really hard to write. The reason it was hard is that my readers chose the trope, which was being left at the altar. Not my favourite trope, but this is the one that they chose. And every book that I've read, Left at the Altar, is where she ends up finding out that the fiancé is a cheater, he's a bad guy, and she's fully justified now in going off with the hero. Okay, great. Every book that I've read, that's how it is. It's always that the groom is a secret loser, okay? So I decided that I didn't want that. And that I wanted to make it hard for the heroine to be torn between the groom and the hero. I didn't want the groom to be a bad guy. He's actually a good guy. He's a nice guy. We've got two brothers who are actually really nice guys. And to try and have her torn between the two. And that's why it was such a hard book to write. And the thing is, is that I've now had readers going, what about Felix? What happens to him? And I'm like, it's a standalone book. There's not supposed to be a second book. They go, no, no, we want a second book. We want to know what happened with Felix. And there was a scene that I didn't write into the book. I didn't even think about it. And I've had readers going, I feel cheated. I want to have that scene. So I'm actually going to be writing that scene and putting it into the second book. And I might put that as the prologue. Um, And I just found that that was really interesting feedback that my editor, my beta readers, no one picked up on it, but all the readers said, they wanted that scene. So I will give them that scene. And that for me was my defining moment where people are asking for more books related to what I've already written is that I feel like I've made it. Yeah. Now, I, as I'm sitting here in inverted, in, <laughs> in inverted commas, yes. it's always in inverted commas. Uh, <laughs> as I'm sitting here listening to you, Joanne, the thing that has struck me is your relationship with your readers, that you have built this community who is keen to talk to you and your books. They're keen to to tell you what direction you they want you to go in. They want they want to know more about um, Felix, the character. That is a sign to me that you have a self-sustaining uh, community uh, and that you're only going to go from strength to strength from now on, provided you can keep up with what your uh, community demands of you. Yeah, well, that's it. And I guess that also from being active on social media and that's also from these newsletters that I do on a regular basis by engaging because surprisingly not everyone is on Facebook so I do have my own private Facebook page as well as my author pages which are you know 
my regular pages uh, and also my Instagram. But there are people who don't want to be engaged that way for whatever reason. I have my newsletter. So whichever way that, that people want to. And newsletters are good because they're going to someone's email and, um, you know, they can read them one week. They may not read them that a second week. But I'm still being able to contact them directly. And I think that that is a good way of building a relationship with the readers. And the other thing that I do, and again, it's still argued uh, between writers, is whether giving a free book is a good way. And I feel it is. Um, the reason that I give a full book, which is Bidding on Love, it's, uh, I think it's between 40,000 and 45,000 words. That's so a full romance. Um, it means that someone can try me out see if they like the writing. Now, some readers will take the free book and go, thanks, see you later, and unsubscribe. But not everyone does, and some people stay around, and then they go, you know what, I like this, I want to read some more books. And they're the readers that I really focus on. So for those people who take the book and say, see you later, I go, well, I hope you enjoy the book. And that's okay, because they're not the readers that I'm focused on. I'm focusing on those who want to read my other books. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of that trial, trial and error going on. I think if I find a good writer, I'll go and read everything, mm. everything that they've done because I'm really keen to read more. So I think the giving away the free yeah. book is a great strategy, and especially when you're getting to that um, stage where you're at, where you are full time professional and treating it as a yep. as a professional, and you've got your brand happening. That from now on, I should imagine you have built a very solid base, and that you're going to go from strength to strength. Uh, I would suggest that nobody can do that overnight. No, no way. This just takes time. And these are the type of things that you are just not told and you can't learn this from a course. You just have to learn it myself, yourself. And I think, look, I was lucky. I have a Bachelor of Business. I have a double major. I have years of corporate experience. Uh, I've been a project manager, business analyst. And I think that all of those skills have really helped me in this job. And I'm happy to share this knowledge because these are skills that you just can't learn. There's no there's no course out there that teaches this to you. Um, but if you're business savvy and not a not everyone is. I mean, not everyone's got a Bachelor of Business, you know, a double major and, 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 and do you know what I mean? Like not everyone has that. I have that. I have years of corporate experience. So these are the things that I can share. And some people go, you know what, that's okay. But maybe it will help someone else who will think, you know what, that's, that's really good advice. Now, Joanne, just before we wrap up, I want to talk to you about you're going to the New Zealand Writers Conference next year, or this, sorry, later this year, and Bella Andre is going to be the guest speaker there. Now, tell us about Bella Andre and why we all admire her so much. Um, well, it's not just Bella. There's also a few other amazing writers, and there's also a few in New Zealand as well, who have, you know, really developed their brand so well, and they're just doing everything really, really well. They've got good books. They've developed um, a great audience. You know, they can launch a book and they've got people just buying their books, you know, just one-clicking them. And, you know, Bella's just one of them. There's also Marie Force who's also done a fantastic job. And, you know, there's a host of other amazing writers both in the U.S., um, New Zealand, and um, I think a bit in U.K. as well. And I'm sure there's heaps of others that I don't know of. 
but they have just spent the time in really getting out their brand and they don't have just good books, they have a good brand and image. And I think it's really important when you have that business sense, it's really important to have that business sense. I know a lot of people, I've, I've talked about this previously, I'm not sure if it was with you, Mel, where a lot of people will talk about their views politically, not politically, other things. And I think that that can really distance your audience. So, for example, you know, just talking about things that can be divisive is not a good way because generally we know from our political system here in Australia that you've got half will vote Labor, half will vote a Conservative group. So by aligning yourself with two, one political party, for I'm just using this example, you're already distancing the other 50%. And that's not really a good way to do that. And that can happen with anything, with there's so many issues at the moment. And so there's nothing wrong with being yourself. But if you think that you're going to upset one of your readers, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to lose your readers because of your views? Like you can do that as your own person. But I think when you're talking about as who you are as a writer, that is a very different thing. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're finishing up here, everybody. And I mentioned Bella Andre deliberately and Joanne's just sidetracked me. Uh, We're talking about brand and some of these indie authors, they have their brand down pat. And listening to Joanne today, if I want to summarise and and bring things together at the end so the rest of us get the most important message out of it, is that writing the best book that you can, getting it professionally edited, but really working on that brand so that your reader knows what they're going to get when they buy your books and hence the read covering and hence the the getting all the fonts lined up and everything that you've been doing, Joanne. I just, and I'm going to say it aloud because I, th- I think it, uh, <laughs> you are following in the footsteps of some of the great indie authors that we have uh, to that are, I guess, that are our mentors in some way. Um, I mentioned Bella Andre because I'm seeing you coming along and I call you the um, Bella Andre mini-me. It's, it's the oh, ultimate that's, accolade. That's too nice. No, <laughs> no. She's, she's, she's awesome. I, like, I, I just sit there and really admire her. She's really incredible. Yeah, well, your latest book, uh, which is uh, Falling for the Best Man, uh, yes. as we said, it follows on from, from your other books that you've written and I'm assuming we're going to hear about what happens to the groom next. You may be just pulled along in the slipstream of your own success and I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast for time number five. So, oh, Thanks, Mel. <laughs> you know, I'm always happy to chat with you. I think we spend more time talking offline than we do on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot we talk about that's offline guys but I'll whisper it to you later uh in the meantime I'd like to thank Joanne for her patience today as we had that little hiccup with our sound um for everyone who is not in Australia uh, half our listeners everybody now are offshore we've got a huge contingent of American and British listeners which is really exciting uh like your books, Joanne, the podcast has been tootling along uh, for a very long time now, for over a year, and just lately uh, our stats are going through the roof and, and people are really starting to find us and really starting to find our Aussie authors, which I think is the most exciting thing ever. Uh, so hopefully when you get up to be as famous as Bella Andre, I will be <laughs> as famous as a famous podcaster. Joanne, 
Joanna Penn. I'll be as famous as Joanna <laughs> Penn. <laughs> That's good, a good aspiration. Yeah. Now, nice. where can we find yep. you? Where can your readers find uh, Falling for the Best Man? The website. So if they haven't already, grab a copy of Bidding on Love, join my newsletter, and it's all on my website, which is joannedanon.com. So it's one word, Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E, Danon, D-A-N-N-O-N.com. And everything's there, all the links to my social media, the book, a bit about me, my blogging, all there, and, and my books. Yeah, and we're hearing a lot more about Joanne as she becomes more and more infamous in her own story. And some of those box sets have got some fantastic writers in them. Joanne only chooses the best, and one day when I grow up, I'm actually going to get into one of those things. Um, but first, I have to finish a book. Uh, I'm going off now to read Falling for the Best Man because I want to find out uh, what it is that makes a woman choose between two brothers. It sounds almost a bit like MacLeod's Daughters, doesn't it? Uh, Joanne, thank you very much for, for being on the podcast today and I look forward to having you back when you hit book number 20. Oh, brilliant. Look forward to it. Thanks, Mel. Yeah. And, okay, so Joanne and I are going to meet at the New Zealand Writers' Conference um, because I want to grow up like Bella Andre as well, but I've got a bit further to go than Joanne. Um, <laughs> that's it from Writer on the Road for another week and we'll talk again soon. 